1: Live from the 6th and Peabody Studio and across the
0: Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan
2: Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. We are back, hour number two of Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. Big thanks to all of our radio affiliates. So if you're listening to us across our radio network, we thank you. We say hello to you if you're watching right now across the Outkick Network. We thank you and say hello to you as well. Alongside Paul Kowarski, I'm Chad Whitrow. entire casting crew is here. Jonathan Hutton, well-deserved week off of vacation. He'll be back with us on Monday. So Peyton Manning, apparently, Paul, based on a podcast you're listening to, uh, tried to pull something off that, I'm going to be honest, at least for me, gets him right back in the running in the GOAT conversation for quarterbacks across the NFL, that he actually thought... This was something that could be pulled off and that the team would go for it and that he would suggest it. Uh, I was amazed to hear this story, Paul.
0: Um, so Peyton Manning, what year was it, 2011? Coming back off his uh, yes, neck injury. Yes, because
2: 2012 was his breakout first year with the Broncos.
0: So he's coming back from his injury. The The Colts are 0-13. He's rehabbing, and uh, he's desperate to get back on the field. Colts uh, a lot of presumptions are being made about them going with uh, Andrew luck in the upcoming draft a lot of a lot of stuff about uh, my goodness how lucky are they going to be that they they've got a quarterback all-time great um you know he's got this neck problem you don't know how much you can count on him coming back it's going to be really irresistible for them with the number one pick uh not to take Andrew luck I guess there was some talk of Robert Griffin the third but uh, I don't it was gonna re- I don't be remember Andrew Luck. A- Andrew Luck. So th- they go from Peyton Manning, they're going to have a chance here to draft Andrew Luck. Uh, Manning's not loving this this conversation, thinks he deserves a chance to to come back. Uh, everybody thinks he's on the shelf. The Athletic is doing a six-part podcast. It's all out now. I've started to listen to it. I'm listening to episode 2 on my way in here. Uh, and it's about Luck disappearing, you know, before age 30. And so the second episode goes back to kind of review the end of Peyton Manning and says that he was so desperate to get on the field and to prove that he could still play and that they shouldn't give up on him that he contrived a plan that he was going to convince the trainers that he was good enough to come back to be a red zone quarterback. Dan Orlovsky was the starter at that stage of the season, and he – wanted them to play Dan Orlovsky up to the 20-yard line, and then he would come in and engineer the offense for the final 20 yards and in. Great red zone quarterback, obviously all-time great quarterback, but he thought that he well, would be able to thing handle also that, yeah, this, the, the, the this, this space of that and throw, yeah. throw that distance. Bill Polian, according to Zach Kiefer, who's the reporter doing this podcast, told the trainers, you have to be honest with him and tell him there is no way we are putting a quarterback, an all-time great quarterback with a compromised neck on the field in any situation at the end of what is currently an 0-13 season. They went on to win, I think, two games, one of them against the Tennessee Titans from down the, the, down the street here. But that is how far he wanted to press it. Then he was pleading with them to go ahead and draft Luck, but keep both of us, and I'll bring them up under my wing, you know, which would have been a... Terrible plan because as soon as Peyton played poorly, there would have been calls for Luck, and you just can't have two quarterbacks of that caliber. Luck was rated as super NFL-ready, probably as NFL-ready as anybody coming out of the college ranks in, in you know recent memory. And he was compared as the best draft pick coming out since John Elway, another Stanford guy. But I found this fascinating, the idea that he had found a way in his head that he could get back on the field at the end of that season.
2: Yeah, it's um, remarkable to even suggest it, and it, it, my mind immediately went to what would that have looked like had they pulled that off, and Peyton Manning was just the you know emergency uh, red zone quarterback. It w- would have been pretty cool. Uh, speaking of arm issues, which you know Peyton had with the neck problem back in 2011, uh, there are some reports out there that Trey Lance is suffering from arm fatigue and has some arm issues with the 49ers, to which Brandon Iuk mocked, uh, there was a highlight reel that was posted of Trey Lance throwing him the ball, and he said, these are the only three throws on the day because his arm got fatigued <laughs> after this. Uh, Were deep So, they so good-spirited joking, yes. Strong throws. I mean, it looks like good, strong throws from him. But, Paul, I mean, the Trey Lance part of this, it's made all the more complicated because the 49ers could not find a trade partner for Jimmy Garoppolo. And and there's he's still not on the been a
0: lot of definitive, positive no. stuff about Trey Lance at any stage of, of Trey Lance as a 49. Um, and we
2: didn't see enough to be able to come to our own conclusion on his play last year when he actually played in games.
0: Yeah, and I, I know his coach has come out and said, you know, our plan is to trade uh, Garoppolo, but um, – you know, the in-house stuff, the, the uh, confidential reporting and all of the like has been about doubts about Trey Lance from in-house and, um, and, and things like this. I don't know how credible the report is about arm fatigue, and I know it's been poo-pooed there by Iuk and and probably by others. But, you know, if I'm a 49ers fan, I've got some concerns about all that they gave up for Trey Lance that it wasn't Trey Lance necessarily who they traded up for, you know, presumption was that they traded up for Mac Jones um, and then kind of convinced themselves out of it or got, got convinced out of it based on on what they saw out of the quarterbacks that they, they sampled. Um, if you're trading up and you don't know who you're trading up for, that was kind of like when the Rams traded up and it was Goff or Wentz and Jeff Fisher's and attitude Goff. was kind of like, we know we'll like one of them. We like both of them. We're going to go up and find out which one we like. I like it a lot more if you you say later, we knew exactly who we were going up to get. Um, but I, I'm not so, you know, if I'm a 49ers fan, I, I would like much better news coming out about Trey Lance, even if it's this kind of anonymous thing that you, you're you not sure has much meat on it. Where's, where's the report that doesn't have much meat on it that's positive?
2: Yeah, I, I'm with you. Uh, you've got, You know, IU joking and showing him, but you're not hearing a lot of positivity with Trey Lance. So time will tell, but I think that's going to be a a fascinating situation to follow, especially early in the year with whatever goes on with Jimmy Garoppolo and and, and Trey Lance there in San Francisco. New Big 12 commissioner, Brett Yormark, he had his initial media days with the Big 12 today. And of course, the Big 12, um, you know, a big part of all of these discussions that's going on with conference realignment and what's going to happen next with them after losing Oklahoma and Texas and then adding BYU, Central Florida, Houston, and Cincinnati, he says the Big 12 is officially open for business and discussions with other programs out there. So now, Paul, immediately, I start thinking, does that mean, first off, if you're open for business and no one wants to do business with you, is that any good for you? And... Secondly, certainly Memphis and SMU and these programs want to do business with you, right? But does the Pac-12 want to do business with you with some of their member schools? Because quite frankly, I just don't know that anyone else gives you a lot of value in the way college football is moving and the way things have changed unless it's going and adding an Oregon, Washington, Colorado, Utah, you name the Pac-12 program that's where you could make some money for the Big 12. And this
0: seems to me to be the second time that we've heard from him. Maybe the first time was, was a report that said something similar without him saying it. But at a time where the SEC went and made a huge move, and then a year later the Pac-12 went and made a, a huge move, quietly without, without a lot of uh, – pre-knowledge, right? I mean, they came out and they made the move without a lot of reporting beforehand that
2: this was coming. Yeah, it, it all hit they all of a sudden. They sprung
0: it on people, right? They uncoiled and they sprung this massive news on the country and shocked college football both times. And here's a commissioner of the Big 12 saying, we're open for business. Yeah, <laughs> It's, it, 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 are you open? Go do something. That That's how it's working right now. You... Go do something. You don't say to people, "Yeah, my uh, my office doors are open. My my phone here's my phone. Call me if you're if you're up for something." No, you dial. Well, and I, I you this, go. This do guy stuff. will
2: do that. I I, I like the direction it's, they went here, um, but
0: seems a little passive natured the well, way he's, he's uh, talking.
2: He is a branding and marketing guy that's got experience with with Rock Nation, with Jay Z's outfit, and with uh, the Brooklyn Nets in his past. And and he went on to say. Uh, He said, we're open for business, and one thing is crystal clear. There is no higher priority than to best position this conference for its upcoming multimedia rights negotiation, so the television package to negotiate with that. Everything we do must create momentum for these negotiations as well as building the value of the Big 12 brand and business. Um, He's not going to sit idly by. You know, when, when there were talks about they've already reached out to some Pac-12 schools about joining. I, I think this guy's going to be very active, but I keep coming back to would it really be wise if you're a current sitting Pac-12 school to leave for the Big 12, or do you just wait until it's beneficial for both conferences to merge in some way? Because I don't know that just a departure to the Big 12 makes a lot of sense right now. Well, even for the Pac-12, which, as we know, is it not in a good TV position.
0: Shouldn't you get going on that merger conversation? Yes. And that's what part of open for business is to me. So so get going on that. You're saying this guy's good. We know the Pac-12 guy is good. Um you don't have to be public about it, but uh one of you should be on a flight to the other guy's uh, office and you should be having some hearty conversations about that because if you combine those two leagues right now, You'd be right there as as the number three. ACC would be nervous, but maybe saved. Um, Notre Dame would be sitting and, and, I don't know, maybe it could survive as an independent skimming games off those other three conferences, four conferences that then. And we'd get the four conferences that we talked about yeah. for, for a long time. They wouldn't be ideally shaping, but um, – It would be somewhat like what we've envisioned it to
2: be like. So Dennis Dodd was the one with CBS Sports who had the report that four Pac-12 schools were in preliminary discussions, are in preliminary discussions with the Big 12, and the Big 12 reached out to them. So they're acting on that. And they're the Southwestern Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah are the four schools that have been contacted. Uh, Yormar also said there's an opportunity to nationalize this brand to be more aspirational to appeal to youth culture, and to get younger and hipper. Those are the things I'll be working on, is adding the 18 to 24 demographic uh, for the Big 12. Well, they're
0: younger and hipper because they, they they don't play great defense and they sling it.
2: I mean, I guess. I, I Bigger topic for another day when we have well, more time to discuss it. But do I, I don't know how you, if you're not an 18 to 24-year-old that's already in on a sport or watching a sport or has an affiliation to your alma mater. Yeah, you're not or your school. I just don't I I think we're past the the world of marketing to someone 18 to 24 for a sport that hasn't already been ingrained with a school or a conference. Well, here's how sport. you're
0: marketing it. Your your wild highlight from the weekend is ending up on YouTube or TikTok, but I don't think it matters who you are. Right? Yeah. My kid'll show me a highlight, but I don't know that it matters to him who the teams are involved in the highlight, the cool play matters. But you could put blank uniforms on those two teams and it would be the same difference.
2: So, if let's just type, and I agree with you, let's just hypothetically say that those four teams end up bolting and go to the Big 12. And maybe they're able to add, you know, a Washington, Oregon, someone else out of the, the Pac 12 to go to the Big 12. They are entering into, their, both them and the Pac 12, right around the same time, are entering into negotiations for a television package. A network to watch in all of this is going to be CBS, who just lost the SEC game of the week. They've got nothing college football wise right now. I think CBS Sports it's Network sad. is going to have some, very traditional. Well, they college have like an AAC package, you know, I think American Athletic Conference. Hard but pass. Um, could CBS get in the mix? for a new Big 12 that could extend programming from 11 a.m. on CBS until I don't know what their nighttime programming does normally during the fall, but that could extend to a West Coast 9 p.m., 10 p.m. Eastern time kickoff throughout the day because you have a conference now that is going to expand from West Virginia to possibly Arizona. Right? If they added the schools that they've been in talks with. I would so, think that
0: CBS would be interested. Let's go back to these could be a four schools that have appeal, apparently, to the Big 12. I did a Fox News rundown about this yesterday or the day before. I think Oregon's got problems, and I don't think it's on somebody else. Oregon is maybe as, you know, outside of the top schools. As good a brand as there is in terms of the uniforms, the Nike relationship, all of that, right? I mean, kids love seeing what Oregon's wearing on a weekly basis. The bright colors, the change of helmets every week, all of that. We talked about this with Bobby Carpenter. They've been in more top 10 AP polls than every Big Ten program except Ohio State, including USC, since since 2000. So a remarkable record. Portland is the 25th biggest TV market in the country. It's bigger than Columbus, Kansas City, Salt Lake City, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, a whole bunch of big markets. Way bigger than I thought when I looked at the list. And and it's got Phil Knight. So what is Oregon missing? That it's unattractive. Oregon's got a problem. I don't know what it is, but this is not on somebody else. It's on Oregon. Oregon should be attractive, and it's not.
2: But all those things you just mentioned...
0: Should make I, I it attractive.
2: I don't know how it's anything else they could be doing. So I don't know what what it, if at some point it could just be everyone else's fault for not well, wanting. What
0: is, what is it? Pacific Northwestism.
2: I mean, I, I don't know because I, I, I think Washington's a pretty attractive program and school, also yeah, just north of, just north of Oregon. So I, I think I, I, I feel I like there's a little bit
0: of not wanting to travel there while all these travel boundaries are coming down. That's a hell of a trip for a lot of people, and and they don't want to go there. I, I, don't,
2: I don't think that, Paul, just because they're not wanted or not being asked right now doesn't mean they're not wanted. I think not being in front of the line of USC and UCLA, oh, uh, I, I, I could easily make the argument that if you just wanted to go program for program, market for market, UCLA should not have been the pick. They're the pick because the L.A. schools the wanted to stay together. But stay I don't together. understand how they're I not ahead added, of
0: Arizona State or Colorado.
2: I would, I just personally, from a financial standpoint, I'd much rather have Oregon and USC or Washington and USC if I'm the Big Ten and I'm adding two schools. Okay, but
0: that's done. But uh, behind Colorado
2: yeah, I or don't, Arizona State? I don't state? understand. There is that whole state legislation thing uh, in Oregon where Oregon and Oregon State are supposed to stay in the same conference. And I saw where lawmakers in Washington were going to push for the same thing. That's maybe why you race. Washington State and Washington, maybe that scares people off. It's a great question. But I I don't, all the factors you just laid out, I don't know what I would nitpick and say, what is Oregon not doing in that? But it's a great question of, well, why, then why are they not being sought after by these other conferences? He
0: says he's open for business. We know Phil Knight is cold calling people. I wonder what his conversation with Phil Knight's like.
2: Well, if you just, uh, here, here would be a great question to ask. If you just had, regardless of geography, programs not currently in the Big Ten or SEC, just list them one through 10. They're high. They've got to be in the top five. Easy. I mean, I'm going Florida top three. State, you know, and I'm thinking first in the South, Clemson, Florida State, Miami. North Carolina would be high on that list also. But I mean, they're definitely top 10. Washington, Oregon's going to be in that mix. Of schools, I think
0: they're next Another after one that the keeps popping up
2: that's a, a sleeper one because you know they haven't been in the Pac 12 that long, but it's Utah. Utah's got a big following and uh, is an attractive school for someone, maybe the Big Ten. So we'll see. I, I like that though. I, 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 it's a great question because I have no logical answer as to why people wouldn't want Oregon more in their conference. Maybe we but, should
0: get John, is it Kanzano
2: Yes, the uh, the radio host, colonist uh, yeah.
0: slash radio host from up there. That's somebody to think about booking, maybe.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we booked Dan Dockage of Don't At Me. He's going to join us when we come back. No telling where we'll go. No telling what we'll talk about. I'm sure Dan has strong opinions. That's next on Outkick 360.
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady.
2: Welcome back to OutKick 360 across the OutKick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Paul Koharski's here. Jonathan Hutton is out this week. Entire crew is here in studio at our 6th and Peabody Studios with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer in downtown Nashville. Dan Dockich is not in downtown Indianapolis. He's probably lakeside somewhere right now, if I had to guess, because he's the man with the plan. He's the man with the money also. Dan Dockich, host of Don't At Me, at Dan Dockett on Twitter is with us now. Dan, how is life living large up in Indiana?
1: Speaking of large, we do a segment called Biggins on my show because my uh, my fan base or my listeners make fun of me because every other week I'm on a diet, and so I am living large, too large, according to my wife. Uh, but everything is good here in the great city of Indianapolis. The whole
0: thirty, Dan. My could, Sunday uh, is my thirtieth day. The whole third. Look how skinny I've gotten, and it's not a know, diet. It's look, a lifestyle change.
1: I know. Hey, Paul, um, my kids literally call me. One lives in Nashville. One lives in uh, Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, and they literally call me on Sundays. Hey, Dad, what diet are you doing this week? <laughs> or what are you doing? Ah, no, no carbs. No carbs. No nothing. So we celebrate being big and fat on my uh, local show, and we have guys call in, and, or girls, and tell us how big they are. they got to answer a trivia question, and we give them a Dan Doggage Biggins t-shirt. <laughs> we celebrate some size, big boy. <laughs> so uh,
0: I don't know if I could talk about this without you bashing the outlet, but uh, The Athletic's doing a, a podcast on Andrew Luck uh, being done before 30, I'm in the second episode. They're they're kind of going back and looking at the end of Peyton and talking about the year that he was out that got them the Andrew Luck pick and kind of casually come up with this, that in his efforts to make it back and play a couple games at the end of that year to kind of salvage that he could still play and show them that he came up with this idea that he was going to be the red zone quarterback. He, thought he was back far enough and I guess could throw far enough that Orlovsky could play up to the 20-yard line and he could come into the game and play from the 20 in for the last two or three games of that season. Polian told the trainers, listen, you just got to get him to come to terms with the fact that we're not going to play a guy with a uh, less than 100% neck in a meaningless season where we're on our way to this pick. Uh, Had you heard that before? And what do you think of him trying to sell them on that?
1: Well... I, I'm not surprised by that. I think the podcast is good, um, but I'm not surprised by that. And, you know, a lot of people back then, Paul, were were mad at the Colts because Orvlosky led him to a couple of wins. You know what I mean? Yeah, one over the time. <laughs> and Titans. everybody thought – yeah, that's right. And everybody thought Peyton, you know, was 100% done. You got to remember, he had four neck surgeries, and I had not heard that. It does not surprise me. Uh, it also doesn't surprise me uh, that it wasn't taken serious. I had a guy today tell me that story uh, or tell me that was in the podcast and said, you know, to Paulian's credit, they they you kind of because of the respect, Paul, that Peyton had, not only with his team but in the community, you know, that whole deal, you know, you had to tread lightly. You couldn't insult the guy. So uh, what I was told was you had to – you had to kind of massage Peyton to be like, look, we know you can play, but uh, ultimately Jimmy Ursay didn't think he could play. And Jimmy was the one that made the decision to uh, to cut Peyton. But, yeah, I, I heard that. In fact, I just heard that. Maybe it was la- yesterday, actually, after my show I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, doesn't surprise me. And good for the Colts not doing that. That would have been silly.
0: Were you on the side there that it was a no-brainer that – because of the circumstances they had they had to go with luck because they fell into a number one pick there with another generational quarterback coming or do you think uh did you think at that time they they maybe had to find a way to go forward with Peyton?
1: I was wishy washy. I, I honestly was and I'll tell you why. I always say this, Paul, if I'm not in the room, then I really don't know in terms of things like
0: a little freeze up there, Chad.
2: We may have lost Dan. We'll try to reconnect with him from his, uh, you know, you think. Dan that was
0: wishy-washy. That's you'd think that his shocking.
2: lakeside studio and his home would be foolproof, but apparently not.
0: Uh, but, uh, who 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 knew? I would like Dan on the lake. I'd like him to broadcast from the lake, but I'm sure he can't get a good enough signal out there.
2: He was on Cameo, if you remember. Uh, I don't know if yeah, he still he does that. Yeah, he sent us one
0: after he beat us.
2: We had, a, we had a, a listener of the show pay for him to give us a message, and he was on the lake when he delivered the message. On he all had, white, uh, wasn't he? He had all white. He had a cigar in one hand, a drink in the other. And he had his beautiful lake house uh, backdrop. It's the only and
0: time he really rubbed it in.
2: Yeah, that was uh th- that was it. That is, by the way, you bringing up the fact that Dan Orlovsky did beat the Titans that year. <laughs> I'm just now remembering that the Colts beat the Titans, which Colts fans were upset it with. It was a
0: very Titanish move. Yeah, to lose to the Colts when the Colts didn't really want to win.
2: Yeah, that's how Not, it, uh, the
0: Titans were very good at losing to the Colts at that. At that stage of the rivalry, I, I, I didn't have any qualms at all about the, the Colts going the direction they did at that time, based on luck. I mean, the, the luck of being able to get luck, it was pretty preposterous that they were going to be able to go from Manning to luck.
2: Yeah, it's, um, well, and, that, and then when luck started and started having success, I mean, all the talk was, boy, how lucky are the Colts to have that succession? Where it just happens to be you know the surgeries for Peyton cost them an entire year where he's on the sideline, and that happens to be the year that Andrew Luck is uh, available, which is is crazy. And
0: other teams like the Titans who you know had uh, no answers at quarterback after Steve McNair for a long time, you know and the whole league lamented the idea that uh, you know that they got so fortunate.
2: We got Dan back. I guess his Wi-Fi signal is back and strong, and and he is ready to go. Daniel, so you were, there, saying, there is.
0: you were saying you were wishy-washy on it because you didn't know what was going on uh, in the upper offices.
1: Yeah, you know, one hand, I was like, "Well, look, don't mess around with winning. That's an old coaching adage, man. Don't mess with happy, and don't mess with winning." On the other hand, you got this guy that everybody is saying is a generational quarterback. You know you're, he's saying that Andrew Luck is the next Peyton Manning, and how lucky were we going to be in Indianapolis to move from Peyton Manning to all of a sudden Andrew Luck, and we were. But I didn't know. I don't think anybody knew the extent. We were kind of led to believe, at least by the Colts, that the pace—or excuse me—that Peyton Manning was done. It would be a quote miracle if he played again. Well, the miracle happened. He goes to two Super Bowls in four years. Andrew Luck's out of the league fairly quickly. So I got to tell you, I, I I often, I know I sometimes I don't come out as wishy-washy, but when I don't really know, when it's something like an injury, I don't presume stuff. I always feel there's a backstory, fellas. And what we were told was, hey, look, uh, Peyton might be able to play. Chances are he's not. You got a number one pick. You got the guy that everybody says is the next Peyton. Let's go. So, but I was, I was wishy-washy on it.
2: So, Dan, um, Kevin Durant has asked out, wants to to be traded from from Brooklyn. If the Nets don't get what they want in in return, do they have any other choice but to make him play out his four-year contract? I'm so confused by Kevin Durant says jump and team must say how high.
1: I don't get it. I I honestly don't. He's got four years left on this. It's a max deal. Irving's got a year left on it. And you're talking about two guys that you sold. You sold to Brooklyn as your future. So you sold sponsors. You sold season ticket holders. You know, I I said, I'll give you a bit of an example, a bit of an analogy. I bought season tickets for years with the Colts and I would not have bought them had Andrew Luck retired before the season ticket deadline. Was in. I'm just telling you. So I don't understand why teams don't protect themselves. These are billion-dollar entities. When you think about the Brooklyn Nets, you have fans, whatever the city is, third, fourth, fifth largest city in the United States, and you're basically saying to one guy that you bargained with in great faith, you gave Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving what they wanted, and now you're going to acquiesce? I wouldn't do it. I honest to God, I would not do it. I would think of my franchise, I would think of my shareholders, I would stop whatever the hell I would think of my fans, my suite holders, my sponsors. I just simply wouldn't do it. I would sit whoever I gotta sit down and say, look, this was all done up front. We still think we can have a winner. I mean, you two guys are supposedly two of the ten best players in the league. Let's go. I, that's what I would, I think at some point, fellas, we've got to start taking our teams back. Do we not? I I just think you, we acquiesce to one when people that have supported this organization for years are just crapped on. And I don't think that's right. I, I'm absolutely, I, I got to make them play. I do.
2: Yeah. And I'm, I'm waiting for the organization, even when the request is made, to just say no to not even entertain it, to not say, yeah, we're going to try to trade you now. But, you know, on the, the off chance that we don't find the right taker or we get the right price in return, then you might have to come back and play. I, I'm ready for a team just to look at one of these superstars and say, nope, you signed a contract, get to play with it. Uh, that, that's what we're going to do. I, I, uh, we're not going to look for a trade and, for because we have no intention of trading you.
1: And, and look, if I'm Kevin Durant, And this is why I've said, look, Steph Curry, man, Donovan Mitchell just became, you know, apparently they're going to listen to, I'd take Donovan Mitchell over Kevin Durant today, tomorrow, the next day, and I might be in the minority, but one of the reasons I would take Donovan Mitchell is the dude shows up in crunch time, so does Durant, but there's absolutely no drama With Donovan Mitchell. I feel like every time, and maybe it's not Durant's fault, I don't know, but every time I open up something relative to the NBA, it's Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they're never happy. I mean, you leave a championship group, then you're mad at uh, Draymond, or Draymond's mad at you, and then you go here, and James Harden's got to leave, and you and Irving don't, I don't know, but I know this. Uh, if I'm that team, I'm saying we get we're giving you forty some million dollars. Think about this to play basketball. This ain't that bad a deal. Let's just go that way. It ain't that bad a deal, people. So I don't know about you, but I would, uh, I, I as you said, I would do the same thing. Absolutely same thing. I'm making play.
2: So Tiger Woods, I thought Dan gave the the most compelling argument against the players who left for the live tour that i've heard and i understand that people can come back and say well he's tiger woods you know he's made a billion dollars he's done all this so who is he to tell people you know not to take the money and run but he didn't mention anything about saudi arabia's business dealings or anything that goes on that country he just basically said these guys aren't competitors he said this is an individual sport where uh, uh you get in the dirt i forget the exact phrasing he used but you get there and you win your yeah. money. You know, th- these guys said, I don't even understand this league because it's just guaranteed money and they don't have to be good. You don't have to go out and earn it. Earn earn, earn it in the dirt, I think is how he phrased it. Um, I, I got to say, Dan, I, I was impressed with, with his takedown uh, of what he said. It's one of the best arguments I've heard against the players who left.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I know. And a lot of people feel that way. I go the other way. I I look at Brandon Grace. Brandon Grace has made $10 million. He hadn't made $10 million in his entire PGA Tour. You know, one of our career, one of the things, it's always easy to talk about other people's money when you got a ton. I mean, it is. And Tiger Woods saying you got to win in the dirt. He's absolutely right. That's the way golf has always been. But this is a new age. And I think we feel in a lot of ways in most sports, the new age is here. Let's go. Well, he also said, what's the incentive for a guy to practice? Well, let me ask you. What's the incentive for Kevin Durant to practice? What's the incentive for Michael Jordan with guaranteed money to practice? What's the incentive for anybody in Major League Baseball or, or the NBA they're or now starting to be the NFL? Okay, they're on a team. Fine, but, but what's the incentive for them if you just go by money? If you just say money, and that's what Tiger said, money. So I'm sitting there, and I'm Brandon Grace, and I'm not going to make $10 million. Look. Not everybody. I use an analogy of myself. When I went to Indiana, I was going to become an NBA basketball player. I was going to wear number 10 for the Chicago Bulls and replace my idol, Bob Love. About three minutes into the first practice, I realized, holy hell, I am not going to be wearing number 10. There are guys way better than me that I never heard of. I better figure out how to get on the court. All right. These guys that are leaving, most of them understand that, hey, I'm not going to win a major, but I can make $10 million in about six weeks. I can make $4 million if I win one tournament. Are you kidding me? I get what Tiger's saying. I agree with what Tiger's saying. But in every other sport, guys, you know, we got appearance fees in track and field. We got appearance fees in tennis. You know, I I don't know. I I get what he's saying. I understand what he's saying. I, and When Tiger speaks, I respect it, but I do, I just have a hard time telling other people that aren't going to make that kind of money, look, we're going to offer you generational money. Your kids are going to be taken care of. Their kids are going to be taken care of, and let's be also honest, it's still a tournament. It's still 54 holes. You still got about three of the top 10 players in the country in this thing. It's not like you're playing against the three of us. I don't know, man. I I... I know what he's saying. I just don't agree with uh, telling other people you're not a competitor because you took some money. Everybody takes money.
0: You absolutely love Lamar Jackson. I'm going to show you why you're too high on Lamar Jackson, and then you're going to tell me what you're about. <laughs> why? This is from his MVP season. I hope you can see this clearly. So he overcame I can't. this. He overcame this to win MVP. I'm going to tell you what it is then. This is the field divided into six zones. This is what he did on third down in an MVP season. So he overcame this. There are six zones here that he's throwing to on third down. Three of them, his passer rating was so bad it registers in red. Two of them. It's mediocre. It registers in gray. (laughs) If he doesn't throw over the middle of the field where his passer rating is 131, he's average or terrible. And you're saying that this is the guy, if I'm reading your tweets right, that you would take above all others. You cannot be this bad throwing the football, which is the number one job of a quarterback, and be the top quarterback in the NFL, which I think is what you were saying. And it's insane to take him over Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, who's about to be the best quarterback in the league, or Joe Burrow. Your defense of a guy who doesn't throw well, doesn't throw to the perimeter hardly at all.
1: I got to have you on my show because what I said was, when I talked to a couple defensive coordinators, ex-defensive coordinators, they used the term ambient player. What That doesn't mean the best player. And I will admit, I have an unhealthy affinity For Lamar Jackson. I just do. But the truth of the matter is, when I talk to two defensive coordinators that I have a lot of respect, the term ambient player is used, meaning this guy's so good, I can't sleep without taking ambient. And Lamar Jackson is the number one ambient player at quarterback because how do you defend him? I said, look, if you take everything out of it and just go with thrower, I'll take Tom Brady. To this day, probably Aaron Rodgers because of what he does in every league. If you want to give me one guy I could take at quarterback, I would take Patrick Mahomes. But for defense, guy you have to stop. you got to think about stopping for a variety of ways. I say it's Lamar Jackson. Now, it used to be, and Lamar Jackson's only, what, 23? It used to be that you made Michael Jordan go left. He couldn't go left. He had to go right to hit pull-up jump shots. Make him make two dribbles going left. He was still the freaking MVP, but he probably shot 10% going left. Michael Jordan in the post to start his career. (laughs) No good. By the end of his career, maybe the best post-up guard we've ever seen. Guys improve, but while he's doing all of those things, Paul, that you are absolutely right. Uh, Statistics aren't lying here. He still was the MVP. Think about that. So as he gets better at those things, you're going to have to take – he's going to be the first two ambient player. He'll be the <laughs> – everybody else will be half an ambient. Lamar Jackson, who I admit, I admit, when he's on television and is started at Louisville, I have a big-time affinity for. I remember Bill Polian saying he should have been a wide receiver or running back, and I'm thinking to myself, Grandpa Polian, you have slipped a cog because that dude looked great to me. Michael George, Magic Johnson couldn't hit a jump shot. MVP rookie year of the end. Give him a moment. He'll get all that done, and then he might be a three ambient player.
0: Uh, I'd love to see him develop in all those areas. But first off, he's going to have to learn how not to be sick all the time, which, which he is. And, and uh, secondly, maybe the guy should have a feel for social media, like if I put up give me money – then I'm going to know everybody thinks that means I want money from the Ravens as opposed to I'm quoting a movie thing. I need my quarterback to be a lot smarter than that.
1: I'm not disagreeing with that. Uh, social media is the death of us all. There's no question. I, look, I've had enough of the guy taking down, whether it's him or anybody else, I'm taking down all of references to you know my team. Stop it. Let's be adult men. right? You don't like it. Let's talk about it. Uh, I'm with you on that, but... I'm just telling you, I, I, when I watched him at Louisville, particularly his senior year when he didn't win the Heisman, and people are questioning him, I'm like, man, I don't know what you're questioning because that dude can play. I have an unhealthy affinity. I'm sorry. I do. At I, least you admit I, it's I unhealthy. I like watching the dude. I, it's unhealthy. Well, I'd I'm like gonna, to know. It, 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 I... Look, th-
2: I'd like to see what their third down conversion percentage was that season and go look that up. Not just his quarterback rating on third down passes, but how many third downs did he pick up with his feet? Probably a lot. Season. But my
0: number one yeah. thing for a quarterback is that he can throw. I'm funny that way. I want my quarterbacks to throw.
2: Well, I'm funny. That I'm I, I like quarterbacks Paul, winning MVP. <laughs>
1: Me, I like quarterbacks that get the first down. Uh, Let me give you one that I gave the other day, and you're not going to like this. I'm a big look at their eyes guy. I get criticized all the time. All right? So I'm watching Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, and Josh Allen play golf. And it hits me. And whenever these things hit me, they're always correct. I say that laughing. I'm watching, and Brady, and Mahomes, and Rogers look like they know they should be there. They're dudes. They're confident. And I'm looking at, at at Josh Allen, and he looks like the little kid ready to ask these guys for an autograph. I agree. I immediately yeah. cross them. <laughs> I immediately cross them off my Super Bowl you're list. You're not wrong They'll about have those a great eyes. Year. Right? Yeah. You're he, not, you're he, not you wrong. can't be that. You, you got to be a dude, man. You got to be a dude. Dan Dockich, like
2: Dan Dockage, he's a dude. He's a biggin apparently right now too, but he goes back and forth. The whole being third, a the whole third, and not. And he's wearing the show, hey, uh, the, Paul, the shirt to show that.
1: Paul, Paul, come on my show tomorrow. Come on around ten o'clock Eastern. I want to talk to you about Lamar Jackson. Have your people, I want you to make fun have your
0: me. people call my people.
2: <laughs> I your, will do that. Your, I know how By that your rolls. people, we mean that uh, our former intern that we brought into yeah, the company, the Dylan, <laughs> that we that we brought in. That, that's who we'll call. Dan, thanks so hey, much, thanks. man. Appreciate we it. We gotta
1: go. Bye, bye, all right, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't
2: let it go. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 bye. Um so Adam Schefter one year spent sixteen thousand dollars on chocolate for his sources for gifts. We'll discuss that and more when we come back. This is Outkick three sixty. Across the Outkick Network as Paul continues to
0: I got surprised. L-
2: listen away yeah. to whatever's going on there.
0: Somehow I didn't. I was hear the looking music at you thinking
2: clearly you're going to see me with my headset on, looking at the camera yeah. and starting the show, but you were lost in a trance at whatever yeah. you were watching. It's over fascinating. There. Um, Paul, I've got on the rundown here something to replace NFL ticket stubs.
0: Oh, uh. Since we
2: have a, a short segment here, yeah. I thought I would tee you up on that because well, I'm assuming you wrote that in because I did not.
0: I did write that in. They are, uh, they're not going to do this for every game.
2: By the way, you have to understand Paul's method of communication, especially via text, are half sentences or just the smallest amount of words possible to things uh, that tidbit? leaves everyone trying to interpret exactly what he's saying. This is
0: from Daniel Kaplan of the athletic who uh, wrote that the NFL announced it would distribute complimentary virtual commemorative tickets in the form of NFTs during the 2022 NFL regular season for nearly a hundred games, including at least at three home games for all 32 clubs. So, I don't, this doesn't do it for me, but maybe it'll do it for some people. I know a lot of people miss ticket stubs. I do. Uh, I like to collect ticket stubs from, from games and concerts that I go to. And there's no such thing anymore because you're, you're all digital. Uh, And I'm not into NFTs, but if they're going to give you some kind of digital memento to replace, effectively replace a ticket stub, it's not the same thing. You can't put it in a scrapbook, but, You're not putting pictures in a scrapbook anymore either. You're putting it into what? You're putting it into your Instagram account or or something like that. So if they're giving you an NFT, some kind of special NFT, uh, as a commemoration of you having gone to the game and they get in the habit of doing that for a game, I think maybe that some people will find that a cool replacement and you will in fact have some kind of memento from having gone to that
2: game. I, I... I feel like the cat's and out of the bag free, of me just not so. keeping mementos to things, and you get to a certain point and you've done enough where you haven't kept a ticket stub or anything from that, right, and you so don't have it well organized. Gone. So then it's just this is great for the person who's been very adept at keeping mementos to sporting events and other events throughout their life. Well, I have right? ticket stubs from that, could, that wants to continue doing everything that.
0: up to a point. You know, my wife collected them into a book for me for Christmas one time, like that's uh, sleeves. But I get a pin at everything I go to, and I've got a wall of things that hold my pin.
2: I promise we're going to talk about Adam Schefter buying chocolate that amounted to $16,000 worth of chocolate on his Christmas list for sources.
0: We'll
2: get into that. Drew Brees, possibly back in NFL broadcasting. We'll discuss that as well. This is Outkick 360.